Hello. Man, it has been a while. While. Many moons. Many. Many. Months and days, moons. Days, years, a lifetime, really. So we're both new people now. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think we should talk about like what our release schedule is actually realistically going to be. Yeah, two, I believe every we two should do weeks that. Is not going to Clearly work. not flying. No, um, both of us have severe ADHD. <laughs> I think once a month is probably. Monthly, I think, is the way to go. That gives us time to read them. And to schedule record them and edit and, and also schedule. bug my boyfriend into letting us use. I have my apartment. own stuff now. He's got the table. He does have he the table. He has the table and the mic stands. That's true. Hold on. I'm going to sip directly into the mic. My favorite activity. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Today, we're not talking about the next Warrior Cats book. I can't read. Neither of us are literate. No, that's why I work at a coffee shop and not a bookstore. So what we will be talking about is a follow-up to a episode, a bonus special episode we released a while back. In like November? We're going to be talking about Cats 2019. So I've seen this this, uh, filmic experience. Yeah, cinematic journey. Twice now. Same. I've seen it stone cold sober in a mm-hmm. very polite, very quiet movie theater in Salt Lake City, Utah, the week it came out. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it um, so high that I was almost non-functional in a very rowdy screening in the basement oh. of the Somerville. Really? Yes. I also saw it. I've seen it twice, both in the basement of the Somerville, once on a very forlorn evening on Christmas after getting into a fight with my boyfriend. And it was sad because it was just like five of us tensely drinking beer and then one person wandered in alone in a santa hat and was like what movie is this and we were like cats and they turned and walked out rude yeah <laughs> and the second time i was so fucking high so it we- was not we like Same. went as a group the second time and there were like it was us sold out it was sold out it we was went to sold, a sold out. out basement show of cats it was us it was brad and kayla who joined us for the uh original well, cats original episode when we watched the trailer it was my friend liz i think there were like a couple other people claire and aaron who are also friends, friends of ours yeah. um and we basically hijacked the entire front oh my God, row. We, I forgot we were front row in the middle. Because we got there kind of late because we seemed like, who's going to go see cats? Everyone, everyone in Boston. Everyone. And it was like everyone sang along to all the songs. Everyone was like yelling at the screen. There was so like, much just like terrified yelling. Well, because I was like, I was really high. Kayla was really high. And in fact, on the way home, she kept asking me like, did this happen or did I hallucinate that? Did this happen or did I hallucinate? And I had to unfortunately tell her every single time you did not <laughs> no, hallucinate. That was real. That was real. When she was like, so Taylor Swift's fingernails, did they grow and then retract? I was like, yes, they did. Yep. They did do that. That happened. I had smoked what was, for me, a lot of sativa. Yes. On the walk from my apartment to the movie theater. And by the time I sat down in the movie theater with my beer, it's like, you know, the realization when you're like, Oh, no, I'm too high to do this. Yeah, but you're, like, in too far. But you're too deep to quit now as I was sitting there, and I'm like, shit. <laughs> I remember, 
So I took an edible and a half on the train. Oh no, you did edibles? I did edibles. Oh no. On the train on my way. And then we got here and I was like, well, the edible hasn't hit yet. Let's go smoke. No. (laughs) And Kayla and I both did this. And then it was the same thing. We sat down in the movie theater and we were like, it's like that's so Raven. Like when she has like a flashback vision to the past or future, that was like the sensation I had where I was like, oh no. (laughs) And like the tunnel vision and the like swirling lights. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, bad choice. There's nothing more menacing than that opening few notes when you're really, really high. They're like, do 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 Yeah, and the eyes? Or wait, is that from the original? No, there were eyes in there the were, sky. Oh, yeah, there were eyes in the sky. I think there is so much to break down about Cats 2019. This can be an ongoing thing. It should thing. be an ongoing thing. So to recap this film, for those who somehow missed it. I don't know how. How does one even, like, it doesn't have a plot, really. It has but a conceit. They they tried to shoehorn a plot, I feel like, into the final the third tw- act, but it, like, wasn't. Somehow in explaining what, ha- trying to explain what happens more, it makes it harder to follow. Infinitely. It is infinitely harder to follow than the musical. Because watching, there's also a filmed version of the musical, which you can watch on YouTube, I think, for free, where... They don't explain any, like, of the logic to the universe, so you're just kind of following along with it, which honestly is less bad. So this movie starts off with... Eyes in the sky. And then a car. No, you see skittering human cat figures. And then there's a car, and then a woman kills a cat, maybe? Just kind of yeets it out of the car. It's, no, it's Victoria who's the main character. In a it is cat in a bag. In a bag. Victoria. So human cat, Jellical, in a bag. It's like the cold open to an episode of Criminal Minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, she, like, all the, like, creeping cat figures, like, encroach on this wriggling bag. And Again, like, Criminal what's Minds. In the, <laughs> what's in the bag? What's in the bag? Your it's protagonist. I guess the protag. Yeah. Um, she is white. Francesca Hayward. Hayward who is the not principal white in real life? No, and she's the principal ballerina for like the UK ballet, I think. She's like oh, a shit. really, really like good Immensely dancer. Immensely talented dancer. You can tell under all the CGI. Yes. Um, which I think she this is her first movie role, which side note. <laughs> Can you imagine? Did she think this was going to be her, like, Roman holiday? Because that was Audrey Hepburn's, like, and introducing. Yes, because they thought that this was going to be an Oscar award-nominated film. Do you remember its Oscars campaign? Because I will never forget. I will never forget. It should have won Oscars. But, like, who was it? John Paul Brammer was, like, they wouldn't nominate it because they would never recognize such a threat to their putrid system. (laughs) J.P. Brammer's, like, cat's content on Twitter is... So correct. Good. He's correct all the time about He wrote it. an incredible, like, next level review that I feel like we should retweet on our Twitter because it's just... I sent it I'll to like you and I'm like, it. this is it. Yeah, he, like, sums it up. Um, we'll, like, attach it as a link in yeah. the description of this episode. But, like, ugh, it's... So they try to murder Francesca Hayward, criminal mind style, just... And everyone, um, what, Monkastrap... Monkastrap! ...comes in and he explains cats to her. She, like, wriggles out of the bag and she's like, <laughs> what the fuck? And they're like, we're not going to make this easier for you. <laughs> like, what Jellicles cannot or will not do is explain themselves. Because they just start listing adjectives and at one point they're, like, rabbinical cats. And I was just like, <laughs> can you leave us out of this? I want, like... 
Hashem has no part in this. <laughs> Please leave my people alone. We <laughs> don't want this. There's a lot of adjectives that don't make any sense. And then he's like, cats all have three names. And they're in a cemetery. Um, yeah, which also... For that part. Upsetting, dancing on tombstones, weird. The cats have three names, but they only discuss the two names. They discuss mm-hmm. how cats have human names that humans give them as pets. They discuss how cats have jellical names, such as Old Deuteronomy. And then they say there's a third name, and they don't explain what those are. Yeah, that's unknown only to the cat. Warrior cats. They have warrior names. They have... They have war... They have warrior names. Because none of them are kitty pets. Wait, are some of them? I think only Victoria, but she was an abandoned kitty pet. Like, that's her origin story. She was a kitty pet, and they, like, threw her out, right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the lyrics to the musicals, because I feel like in some of them it's implied. I think Jenny Any Dots. Jenny Any Dots has a family. And I think, actually, Magical Mr. Mistopheles does in the stage show when he was a Again, I'm quoting someone else's tweet, like, a gay master of conjuring and not a heterosexual coward. What? Okay. They did. We'll talk about. They did magical Mr. Mistopheles so dirty. The character we'll assassination. It. Unbelievable. Ugh. It's the most upsetting pour part. Pour one out when we get to the pour one out segment for. It's the most upsetting part other than, like, every, every part of Taylor Swift's turn as bomb ballerina, which, like, as a diehard Swifty was almost felt like an assassination attempt. <laughs> like. It was a lot. It was a lot for so me much. to process. Okay. So they're in the graveyard. They talk about names. Is this where they like discuss for the first time the concept of the Jellicle Ball and like explain I to her what's going to think happen? So yes. So they go from the graveyard. Then they all run away. And oh wait, no, they go to Jenny Anita. They go see. They go see Rebel Wilson, who who then um, sings a song about being a about like she white saviorism maybe. Kind of, but she's fortunate implications. She's taught some cockroaches and some mice who also all have human faces. Who have human faces? The mice are children. They have like baby faces and baby voices. But the cockroaches are grown ups. They're adult women that are eaten, that are eaten alive. And then she like scratches her crotch in like dead silence for like 60 seconds. Yeah. It goes on like that shot goes. There's a couple shots in the movie that go on for like an unfortunate amount of time. And that's like the first of of them. I will say on second watch through when I was again incredibly high. What I have found helps whenever I'm high is to find something like to focus on. And I'm like, okay, this is your, this is your island. And you're just yeah. it's like spotting when you're doing turns. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I was like, I'm just going to look at like necks. I'm going to look at the collars. And <laughs> that might've been a mistake because they vibrate and change color and move. Yes, they do. So sometimes like, especially in Jenny Annie Dots and Rebel Wilson song, like Monka Strap's collar changes color and just kind of hovers and like, Wiggles? The CGI was not complete. There were even artifacts. in the, there even were like the JPEG artifacts of the version. Like, I've only ever seen the human hands cut. Okay, so I think I've seen one of the. No, I must. No, not we've only seen because the, the Somerville never got the better one. They or Good. the they refused the false it. Update. They were they were the bastions of like the defensive art, and they refused the false idol. <laughs> They would not let that <laughs> into their home. They're like, all of the drunk assholes of Somerville need this. Need the human need hands Need human cut. hands. Well, because here's the other thing that I remember from, like, seeing this when I was sober. Because um, it, it made me feel, like, physically ill seeing it dead sober. Where, like, because the thing is, I went to go see it with my friend who is, like, another lovely, like, creative art person. And they and I went to 
a very polite movie theater in Layton, Utah. And the two of us were the only people who, one, dressed up, and two, were there to be assholes about it. And everyone else was, like, quietly trying to enjoy the film, I think. And so we couldn't say anything because no no one else was saying anything except for at one point, like all of their tails rise up in synchronicity. And my friend just goes, is that allowed (laughs) out loud in the theater? And I was like, oh my God, word. But then no one said anything. And the two of us had to sit there in silence. But like, so my first sober viewing with like five other people in a very weird basement at the Somerville theater in Somerville, Massachusetts, I was watching it with my boyfriend and we like everybody there, like all six of like five to six of us who were all like either knew what we were getting into or were just incredibly lonely on Christmas because everybody else was seeing little women like they should have. Yes. Um, or Knives Out. Um, I still need to see that one. I haven't seen it. And I like people talk about it too much and I don't care about it anymore. I still want to see it's it. It's like I people like, their sweaters screen, are really nice. I, I, I know. I want to see Knives Out, but I'm worried it got hype backlashed for me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, anyway, so we're watching it and... I'm sitting there with my boyfriend Brad, and Brad turns to me during like when the cockro- when the cockroaches are mentioned, and he's like, "They better not have had human fucking faces. They better not have human faces." And then they cut <laughs> to the human faces, and Brad, it just an empty theater just goes, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie broke me and made me anew in a different way. It um like washed out all the previous remnants of my personality and just replaced it's it. It's literally all I can think about. Wouldst thou like to live jellically? <laughs> I didn't have a choice. I just have to now. Now I do live jellically. Oh, and then they go straight from Rebel, Rebel Wilson's house to Jason Derulo. That was like another, yeah. What was... a whiplash. Oh, wait, no. Also, she unzips her skin and has like a different outfit underneath her original skin that comes back later as like a... Yeah, Plot she skill. she unzips her skin a couple times actually. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's like she's like a babushka doll. Like oh yeah, one of the matriarchs <laughs> like they're like oh hey, Rebel Wilson can unzip her own skin, and you're like upsetting. Okay, but she can unzip it infinitely, and that's the like conceit. It's also here like does she so... put it back on? Does it grow back? No, it grows. Here's my theory. Here, tell me no, your theory fact. about Rebel Wilson's skin. It grows back and it's she's like one of those like Russian dolls yeah, that you like. The oh, nesting dolls. And that's just her skin. She has infinite layers of skin that she can peel off with a different outfit underneath. And some of those outfits are nude and some of them are not. And it Does doesn't she know matter. which outfit is gonna be under each? I skin. don't think so. With great power. There's always a catch. There's always a catch. And I think that's that's the catch. Speaking of things that are upsetting if I think about them too long. Jason Drulo, Jason Drulo almost Drulo. sucks toes. He almost he gets this close, this close to sucking Francesca Hayward's toes. It is like, it is by millimeters uh, that he avoids it. It looks like it's about to happen and then it like blessedly doesn't, doesn't. but it's like he is going to suck her toes. He's the cat that fucks. Yes, and they make that abundantly and clear. Except for no that dick. they edited his dick out He's of the like movie. A, it's like flat like a Ken doll. And you can tell. There was supposed to be a dick there. It's like... Is the fa- I didn't go to fancy college. Like the lacuna or whatever it is, like the shadow of something. It's like you know there was supposed to be a dick, but they they they, they were cowards that. and they removed it. His song is wild. It's full of horny energy. He, he basically he has like milk. He sings a song about how hard he fucks. he screams the word milk at the top of his lungs at the viewer. <laughs> at the viewer, yeah. And they're at a bar, and it, it's kind of fun. You know what? 
his sequence was one thing I vividly remember from the high viewing is that at that point in the movie because I've been thinking a lot about death lately um I should probably be in therapy is <laughs> I'm watching it and it's specifically the pink and purple like when they're in like the milk bar and I was sitting there thinking I'm like oh no I am dead and this is what it's like to die this is the <laughs> afterlife this is what you've been obsessing about like is there something is there not something how do we know it's like no no Sophia this is it you are dead you're dead. This and is it. This is your eternity. Is Jason Derulo under the neon, like by themed the, neon the lights bar. in the milk bar. Almost sucking Francesca. Almost sucking toast. toast. And then <laughs> the song takes a pivot because this is the first appearance of Jennifer Hudson's character That's who like rolls in and they're all Grisabella. like, get the fuck away from here. And I don't remember much about it except they play her sad song. And then it's very clear that she's crawling away on all four, <laughs> on like hands and knees. Like they just mo- like they didn't bother to edit in like cat like movements from the mocap, but just like just crawl away. And I'm like, she's an Oscar winner. <laughs> Multi- she was in Dreamgirls. She was in Dreamgirls. She was on American Idol. Yeah. And now she's doing this. Now she's you know yeah. God, what happened? Then they go meet. Oh, because it's just like it's a series of introductions. So the conceit of the musical is again, my meds are not working right now. That's fine. That like the cats are auditioning to die. Judy Dench, old dude, is going to decide who dies. She gets to pick because she's the oldest and she's a, okay, to use Warriors terminology, she's the leader of the clan. I believe the Jellicles, Jellicle clan, it's the city clan, and they are part of the Warriors universe. That is the conspiracy fact. And the Jellicle choice is going to Star Clan. Yes. Word. So you're introducing yourselves and it's like a singing competition to decide to die. Judy Dench decides who lives and who dies. Yes. Um, so they're just introducing themselves. So like, especially like the first third of the movie is just introductions. Yes. Um, so you're just kind of bouncing from character to character. So you have Rebel Wilson, who eats cockroaches and unzips her own skin. Jason Derulo, who who sucks toes. You get the first like hints of Grizabella, who just nobody likes. No one likes her. And it's for a very, because she used to hang out with McCavity. It's sexist. Like, yeah, it's like an undetermined reason. Like, she used to hang out with McCavity, but doesn't anymore, but they still don't like her. Also, side note, like, we haven't gotten to McCavity yet, but I love that every time he, like, appears and disappears, he shouts his own name. Yes. That's a really good touch. We're going to get to that. We're going to, oh my we'll God. We'll get there. Where do they go? No, they go to James Corden next, who I hate. Oh, another very upsetting shot it, that lingered too long is like the champagne cum shot right into his mouth. Oh, I hate, the champagne, cum, I hate the champagne cum shot right into his mouth. I want to also, as someone who went really hard for the musical in first and second grade, to share one of the things that has really annoyed me about Cats 2019 when it comes to the lyrics is they changed a lot of them to be in the first person, not the third person. Okay. Because in the musical, it's a lot of, like, the company is introducing this cat. And then, like, they get, like, a little song to be like, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. And they're like, look at him. And in the movie, they change everything to be first person. And it, I don't like it. Everyone's just like, this is who I am, and I'm going to sing about it for two minutes. Yeah, and you're like, but I don't like this. Yeah. They changed it. Anyway, that's, like, one, like, little minor thing that bugs me, especially with James Corden, because I don't like him as a person. That's fair. He annoys me. It also comes back and bugs me with like the just rank character assassination of Mr. of Mr. Mistopheles, but that's in the second act and we'll come to it when we get to it. Yes, yes, we'll get there. <laughs> anyway, he's his whole thing is that he's for Brexit and likes to eat and then gets kidnapped into a garbage chute to hell. 
but magically ends up on a barge in the middle in of boat. the Thames, and we're not going to talk about we're that. Not, yeah, the, the boat, like, it's That there. comes back later. He gets disappeared by McCavity, like... It's what he deserves, Idris Elba rolls in is like, go to hell. And James Corden is like, gladly, I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, so he does. He jumps into a pile of garbage and... And goes to hell. And then McCavity's like, McCavity. And then just disappears. disappears. And you're like, okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. Who comes after? Um, after James Corden... Oof. Oh God, I've only seen it twice. Is Do that we get when to we get Jews? the? I think that's when we get the the twins. Um, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. Yes. Who? God, it's they're so bad. It's such a fun little aside that has no bearing on the rest of the movie at all. And and they're bad. Bad. They do a bad job. Like there's not more I'm going to say about it. Like it's just the accents are bad. Like the dancing isn't nearly as good as the stage show. Like, I mean, like we're not ready to talk about bad accents yet because we still have not gotten to Taylor Swift's. Oh yeah, Bond but like we're not talking about. It's bad kind of like the movie's yet, like prepping you, but it's like. I don't enjoy this. It's it's not great, um, which is disappointing because in the show it's like, in the stage show it's like really fun, and they like they take her through a rich family's house and they rob this rich they family like of perch. all of their jewelry. They perch <laughs> of all their jewelry, and then they fucking leave her to the literal dogs because they're like, oh, the dogs barking, fuck, we're out of here, and they like t- like they she dip. gets like stuck on something and they're like, fuck you, and then they leave, but uh. <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles comes in. This is where Mr. Mistopheles comes and saves her with a bone, because I suppose he's a heterosexual who's into her. I hate it. Whatever. Like, when we get to his song, the risk, the swings and misses that this movie takes. It did not swing for the bleachers, and the only reason why is because of Mr. Mistopheles, and they were too cowardly to let him be in love with with Rum Tum Tugger. It's the Rum Tum Tugger is a uh, curious cat. You know why he's curious? He's bi curious. <laughs> and like, uh, I'm gonna save this rant for when we get to Mr. Mistopheles' song, but it does tie into my issue with making all of the songs in first person rather than third person. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna save it because I have a great thing about it. Anyway, so he saves her. They run away. Then they like go to like the club thing. That's when we meet. I think that's when we meet old dude. Old dude. Old dude. Who comes in and is like, I decide who dies. Do you want to watch me decide who dies? Well, because they have that scary dance first, though. That's oh, where they like have the, like the from climax. And that's the point at which my friend was like, is this allowed? Because there's a shot where they're all on all fours as humans, but their CGI tails rise in unison. And then it goes like. Yeah. Yeah. And my friend was like, is that literally that feels like it should be illegal. I love that scene, though. I love that scene for three reasons. One of all, it's first of all it's terrifying yeah it feels a lot like climax which is that movie like that gaspar noe movie where somebody like spikes the punch at like a dance i forgot the word for dance troupe that's different than dance troupe company dance company's party and then like everybody like freaks out on all its stand i think starts killing each other i haven't actually seen the movie but i have seen like the opening shot of climax is like all of these incredibly talented dancers mm-hmm. um and it felt kind of like that, but with furries. So I respected that. But like, it's scary furry. It's like scary. these aren't it's even scary. like approachable furries no, that you would terrifying. like see out and about and be like, that's weird, but fine. These are bad. I respect how scary it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun. Also in this one, you really get a sense for the feet and how weird they are because there's J- there's like artif- like JPEG artifacts on some of the shoes that the cats are wearing. And also you're very aware. This is another point I think Brad brought up when we saw it sober on Christmas was that the cats have cat feet. No, they don't. Well, they have cat-ish feet, but they're not wearing human shoes mostly. But to do some of the dancing that they're doing, you have to wear toe shoes. 
Yes. And so, so this someone... was something that I kept seeing during my sober viewing and that like I blessedly did not fixate on during the high viewing. Oh, no, I, I could not look away but from there's, the But there was a scene, I think it was during um, when they're introducing Skimbleshanks, the cat of the railway. The railway train. The railway train. Um, Francesca Hayward's feet keep morphing back and forth oh, from yeah, ballet shoes to human feet. Because they're, had to they're animate never the human feet. They're never cat feet, but they go back and forth from human feet to ballet shoes, and it's really upsetting. Also, at one point, her foot clips through the stairs. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, just fully clips. Um, <laughs> so it's that great dance scene. They're all like dancing for Judy Dan. She's just like in a basket, being horny about it, and you're like, mm, "That's allowed." Okay, she's Judy Dunn. She's, she's Judy allowed. Dunn. She's done her time, but like her human hands are there. They're out. They're there. They're out. They're fully out. Um, and then we get Ian McKellen drinking with his human tongue out of a bowl yeah he's lapping milk out of with a, a bowl. human tongue and you're like that's scandal that's a little bit something he There's tries something there. a lot though in this movie listen he is a he is knighted <laughs> he has a knighthood <laughs> so does judy dench so does judy dench so does judy the number of people who are either like knights or oscar winners or both it boggles the mind this this film because it's not a movie it's a film it's a film it's a cinematic experience uh was it 94 million dollars to make something like that something in that ballpark i can ask brad he'll know i'm pretty sure that's it cost a lot of money to make because they got they like got the most expensive like best performers they could find it's wild talking to people who don't think about cats as much as we think about cats and then just describing the cast and they're like wait they're in this and i'm like oh yeah you didn't know jason derulo like is a fuck cat i had a coworker come up to me the other day um who like i'm barely acquaintances with and it was as though he were like i heard you've discovered the secrets to the universe he was like i've heard you've seen cats <laughs> i was like yes and he was like can you explain like cats to me can you like walk me through it should i go see it like talk to me about it and i was like well i will talk to you about it but there's a lot there. Every single person who's asked me if they should see Cats, my answer is always yes, because I think everybody should see this. I think everyone should see I, it. I think it's like essential viewing to understanding our current like artistic psyche. climate. It's great. I love like, it. The public psyche, the artistic climate, like what we're doing as a nihilism. culture and a society. Yeah, it's nihilism, but also like the sheer earnestness of the most talented performers, truly a collection of the most talented performers that we have in the United States and in Britain doing the weirdest thing ever to quote someone else's tweet as hard as they possibly can. It's incredible. And like, it's, it's genius. Like it's so weird and upsetting, but genius. I love it so much. And I can't stop thinking. About I it. love it so much. It's a, where does it go after? It all so, kind of like blends together in the mind. Because I, I think we have all of the, the a few other introductions. Ian McKellen um, introduces, he sings about how he used to be like a big deal in the theater. In the theater. And then gets Skimble like shanks. Thanos. No, but first he gets Thanos snapped. He does. Ian McKellen like fully Thanos snaps. <laughs> or no, Idris Elba like Thanos snaps Ian McKellen Can away. we talk about how Idris Elba just looks like a fully nude man <laughs> the, the entire film? Naked like, a man has ever been like your brain sees it and you're like it goes no 
It shouldn't. It you like you you feel like a little bit embarrassed, like you shouldn't be seeing him looking like that. It's kind of like the first time you found porn, but like worse. But worse, yeah. Like if the first time you found porn, it was like weird furry porn. Yeah, but also like I I maintain that this film is not for or by or even really that related to furries. Oh, I yeah. think it's a separate. thing. I don't think a furry could have made this. No, if in fact I think having a single furry on staff might have actually saved it from like I think it could have saved the Oscars campaign at least yeah not from like what it would become because I think this film has had the quickest turnaround time I've ever seen from like flop to cult classic it's amazing it's it's incredible to watch but I do think like having a single furry on staff I don't think it would have become a cult classic then but I do think it would have saved the Oscars campaign I don't think it would have won any but I think it It might have scored a few nominations I I think honestly it's better the way it is though I agree because it's it's completely separate from everything else the way I think about cats is like it's the only way it could have been yes it's completely it's its own entity completely separated from anything else in the pop cultural knowledge but drawn directly out of the human id and the collective unconscious it's a perfect film i love it's a perfect film i love it so much so anyway they introduce a few they other people they the have characters. um uh shanks cat of the oh railway which God. is the best we talk about skimble this this movie would have been an instant beloved classic if the entire film had just been skimble shanks because that is the most i fun have been I've dying to talk about skimble shanks all day let's talk about let's skimble go shanks. i love oh him. my god the tap dancing flawless human shoes human human shoes. tap he's shoes the only he's one of the only ones who has human shoes but he has human shoes and he has human like overalls with suspenders too. that cover his nips and that was one thing that i noticed yes they're also very high-waisted so it appear it makes his like waist and torso feel more human than it should he also has, has a like mustache. A, a mustache that feels more human than it should there's, there's a, a lot, lot of features i don't like thinking about skimble shanks's face too much but like the number is delightful um they do cut a verse or two which is disappointing to me because that's a very fun song in the stage show it's still a very fun it's song still a very fun song though. but it could it, it was too short it's like I, I needed more and he also gets thanos but like it's as <laughs> his number and he starts like rotating and lifting into the sky and slowly Spins evaporates into like dust a, like at first you're like oh fun he's doing like a spinning jump and then he just keeps <laughs> going <laughs> and just keeps spinning and then just and then th- and then gets thanos snapped and like disintegrates into dust as he is spinning up into the air can we oh my god um can we talk about the perspectives in Skimble Shanks? It's very uneven. They do I don't know how, a couple wide scale. shots when they're on railway tracks and you realize like, oh, that's a track. So like the cats, how big are they? Very small, but then they feel very large. It's <laughs> The scale is like incomprehensible. This I feel like Skimble Shanks's bit captures everything that makes cats cats because you get inconsistent scale. Yes. Weird human shoes, human torso. But cat bodies. <laughs> Viscerally, it's just visually disconcerting because, like, the film really cannot establish scale at all. And you get a very, like, strong sense of that in this number. Also, like, where are all the people? This is a world with people with no people in it. What happened? Mm-hmm. And then he just spins away. He just rotates <laughs> he into dust. <laughs> and like then. Like, one of those. Do you remember Sky Dancers? Yes. Oh my God, that's it's like exactly a, it's a sky it. Sky Dancer. It's like that um, vine where the Sky Dancer goes, <laughs> goes into, into the fireplace. fireplace on Christmas. Yes. Yeah. And then like, is this so he gets like spun away? Is this when Taylor Swift shows up? Uh, no, because I actually yes, yeah, yes, because she comes um, in on the moon. Okay, I'm like, this is all you. This is all you. 
So here's the thing. Tell me the thing. I've seen Taylor Swift in concert a lot. I've followed her career since I was about 12 years old. I didn't think this is where we were going to end up, but we did. Right? Mm-hmm. There's a few things I love about Taylor Swift's turn in this movie. One, she unironically enjoyed every second of being in it. Absolutely. And I really love that for her. She she loved it. She's a total cat person. This is what she was born to do, honestly. Like, even more than just being a pop star, she was born to be in cats. Mm-hmm. She was born to play a role in cats. She plays Bomb Ballerina, who is McCavity's um, hot evil girlfriend. Uh, they enhanced her titties in the movie to be like much larger than they are on her as a person, which was upsetting to me. Her human fingernails extend and retract like cat claws, which is also upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes in, she magically drugs everybody with like magical catnip that makes them all hump each other. Like, like, yeah, like, she roofies them. It's a horny club drug. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sings about how great her boyfriend is and then kidnaps old Deuteronomy, who's the cat pope. Who's Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Um, but she comes in and she's has a very um, bad British accent. It's terrible. That uh, like it haunts me. Like in my dreams at night, sometimes her voice will come through being like, McCavity's not there. And I'm like, I would like to actually <laughs> shuffle off this mortal coil. Um, I did not think this is where she and I were going to end up together. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at her Speak Now tour in the 11th grade. I just didn't We're all on a journey. It. I just didn't see it. I didn't see it coming, but... Yeah. But it also makes perfect logical sense with everything that I know about her. Yeah. It was... It was perfect, and it was also the most upsetting thing I've ever seen. It's like watching, like... Like, the only thing I can compare it to is, like, watching the most perfect horror movie of all time where it's, like, simultaneously the most upsetting thing you've ever seen and makes perfect sense and is, like, amazing Mm -hmm. and, like, the only thing you've ever wanted. It's, like, both of those things at once, right? Where I'm, like, yes, this is perfect for her. This is where she belonged. This was the trajectory she has always been on and everything is right in the world with her in this role but also I hate to see it and I don't want to see it but you can't look away but from I it. can't look away because it is my responsibility as a Swifty to be there and and bear witness yes and I did I God did I bear witness you really bore it there's a scene in which she like shimmies her shoulders and her like cat titties shake and I oh. was like oh I don't want to see that <laughs> oh I'm not that. happy with that but it happened it happened and her human I like can't get over the part that I really can't get over it's like a fraction of a second but it's her human fingernails extending and retracting like that was the thing that just that took you over the line it took me so far over the line both in my sober and high viewings too in both cases it was the thing that sent me into the next dimension I like couldn't come back no that's totally fair did her face change because I know if you watch James Corden who I hate um sometimes in his terrible song his face is cat fur and other times it's just human skin and it is not consistent um i don't think her face changed did it i don't i can't remember there was so so much information to visually process (laughs) (laughs) like you could only really pick one thing yeah yeah i don't think her face changed but i think there was a lot there there was so much she floats down on a moon and then yeah she kidnaps does a sexy dance 
she's yeah she's it's a weirdly horny number extremely horny like like the movie itself is like distressingly horny but like specifically her number is like a bizarrely horny it's so hard like the whole movie is so horny (laughs) it's just so i never want to have i never wanted to have sex again after watching that movie yeah it was bad in that way but also the perfect movie and so she kidnaps old dude. She's just gone. onto her barge. Um, she and McCavity do. And McCavity's like, you're going to make me the Jellicle choice now that I've kidnapped you and everyone. And old dude is like, fuck you. And all the cats back at the Jellicle ball are like, we are going to bring old dude right. back. Because he's trying to be like, make and me the Jellicle choice. I'm the only one. And she's like, you'll never be the Jellicle choice. So then yeah. he like, you never get to die. snaps her <laughs> to the boat and is like let me die or i kill you (laughs) which is weird but okay and then in the interim while they're like having it out on like just a raft yeah thames uh magical mr mistopheles is trying to magic her back oh my god and it is the most upset i'll you get this one. i get this one i hate this i hate this so much this was my favorite bit in the musical when i saw it because it's really fun and in the musical which you can watch for free on youtube you get the Rum Tum Tugger does like the look, it's magical Mr. Mistopheles. And it's essentially like this himbo jock singing about his cool magic twink boyfriend. And it's great. <laughs> it's a lot of fun because he's just talking about like, my boyfriend's really cool. He yeah. can do magic. And then magical Mr. Mistopheles descends from the ceiling and is like, fuck yeah, I can do magic. Yells presto. And then like starts throwing rainbows and like shooting electricity out of his hands. And it's like, it fucks. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's great. It's great. And, like, his whole, like, costume is, like, it really, like, if you, we'll put this on the Twitter, but if you look at, like, his costuming in specifically the stage production and then one of, like, Klaus Nomi, like, iconic outfits was, like, the bow tie and the tuxedo and the very wide shoulder and a very narrow waist, like, that's where they got the idea from. He looks a lot like Klaus Nomi, so it's, like, this is clearly, like, a a gay cat. Yeah. And then in the movie... They turn him into an incompetent heterosexual, and I hate it. A bumbling head with eyes only for Victoria. Oh, my God. He sucks. Like, he can't do magic. He's got an annoying personality. No panache. None. No electricity shooting out of his fingers. No electricity between him and the Rum Tum Tugger. Or, like, no literal lightning coming out of his hands. There's layers. There's nothing. He's they lacking any electricity. Parts. They take all the fun parts away. And so it's essentially like, instead of like the rum tum tugger being like, look how hot and cool my magic twink boyfriend is. It's like the whole like company being like, no, we think you can do it. Cause they're like, just magic. Oh, him. well, there never was and there so, ever oh my God, I hate it. a cat I be so, so clever as magical Mr. <laughs> Mistopheles. <laughs> And then they would pause it. And he proves them wrong because he's like, I'm going to do it. And then, like, and then he doesn't several times. And finally, Victoria's like, No, I think you can do it. And he's like, Okay, I guess like heterosexual love has given me power. And then, like, (laughs) zaps old Deuteronomy back. Wait, we did we skip the song that Taylor Swift wrote for the movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we did. So, so yes, in the midst of before before old Duke gets uh, catnapped, Taylor Swift wrote a song called Beautiful Ghosts that is not in the original stage show that was, I think, their play for a Grammy. And an Oscar. And an Oscar. They were, cause, like, every, Taylor Swift deserves an EGOT for this movie anyway. Every like time they adapt a musical 
for a movie, they write a new song so that it can get nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. Yes. They did it with Phantom of the Opera. They did it with Les Miserables. I think they did it with Chicago. I really wasn't paying attention to Chicago enough at the time. But, like, they, what they tend to do is, like, get whoever wrote the musical to write a new song or they get whoever's the most famous person involved to write a new song and go for an Oscar. And this one was a little bit of both because it was Taylor Swift collaborating with Andrew, Andrew Lloyd, Lloyd Webber. Webber. I think she wrote the lyrics and he wrote the music. Victoria goes out uh, and sings it to Jennifer Hudson's character, Grizabella, who's like, I would like to be involved in this jellical business. But for and, some reason they won't talk to me. She's hated for uh, Hanging having out with hung out with McCavity one time. And so, but Victoria sings this song that Taylor Swift wrote for her that is about how... She was cool, a, but now she isn't. Well, like Victoria was like, I didn't have anything in my life because I was like an abandoned kitten. But like you at least used to be cool. So like think back on that, that and that should be worth it. Yeah. And then like Grizabella runs away at that point. I yeah. think she like cries a lot and they won't let her wipe her nose. It's a lot. And then she goes away and then like we go back into the party mm-hmm. and Mr. Misopheles and there's my rant there. Yeah. And then they get old Deuteronomy back. Um, old Deuteronomy. Because Ju- at one point, at one point, Monka Strap's like, we can't make the choice without old dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the rowdy Somerville showing, we were all at, so somebody went, old dude. <laughs> it's just, that's all we can yell. And they get her back. And then I think this is where we get memories where like Jennifer Hudson does really more than she should have because <laughs> she does like, an amazing she does job an ama- i mean because she's like an oscar winning performer like she's obscenely talented does she have a tony i feel like she should have a tony she should if she does doesn't she, has she got it yet i don't know if she's EGOT'd. she should this was also her play for an egot <laughs> but she already had the oscar but like you know another one another one another one another one you just get another one an egoot because it's two o's an egoot i'm sorry i said those noises her nose is dripping She's crying. She's crying. It's like a lot of like close shots of her face. Yes. Like the whole time it's just a close shot of her face basically. And then old Judy Dench is like, yeah, you get to die. You get to die. And, and they put her in a hot air balloon. And she like takes off. And then. Oh, wait, wait. We forgot the part where Ian McKellen kills Idris Elba. Oh, that's a, that also happens. They, they throw of. him off a boat in the river. Rival Wilson unzips her own skin again. But I, I guess you don't. I think maybe the thing is that you like no matter what, you can't die unless old Dute says you can maybe. Because then because like that's the thing is I'm like Idris Elba didn't die despite the fact that they ostensibly killed him. Yeah. I don't no, you're think right, you can, the they're all immortal and they cannot die unless Judy Dench makes the choice. Oh, and that's why they're all desperate too. Yeah. Although some of them, it seems like they've got a really sweet life. Why would you want to? They've grown bored. That's fair. It's like the end of the good place. It's like you have to like make the choice to you move gotta on. You got to go. Anyway. <laughs> really deep. Um, so they put Jennifer Hudson in a hot air balloon and are like, okay, bye. Idris Elba shows up and tries to like jump a ride get your ride on the hot air balloon and this is one of my like low-key favorite parts where it makes you like really think too hard about it is like they put her up in the hot air balloon like you watch her go away <laughs> they sing a whole nother a, like song. a really upsetting bit too where um like fleabag style judy dench just turns direct to camera and starts yelling at you oh as an audience where she like breaks the fourth wall and and basically yells at the audience she says shit like a cat is not a dog and like very aggressive tones yeah 
Also, the cats nearly make out. I remember at our rowdy showing, like, there was one point where you thought Victoria and Magical Mr. Mistopheles were going to make out, and everybody just yelled, no! (laughs) (laughs) And they thankfully didn't, but it was like, if their human mouths had touched, the world would have ended. Yeah. And so they sing this whole thing, and there's a lot of, like, pointing into the middle distance, and it's the daytime, and they're, like, in some famous part of London that I do not care about England enough to know. But... They're all we're all getting yelled at by Judy Dench. We're the all whole getting time. yelled at by Judy Dench. There's a long <laughs> song. You think the movie's over, and, and then it not. cuts back. Like she's still going. Like she's Jennifer still Hudson is up still on that sky, balloon, just like going. And then she like poofs out of existence. The movie's over, and you're released. And McCavity gets stuck on top of a famous statue, and I don't know which one because I also don't. I know don't England. care about England. Whatever. They're there. They're there. They exist. And, and that's, that's cats. That's cats. 2019. That's it. The the song, the movie of it's, of the you know, it's, it it launched us into the 2020s. It really launched us into the 2020s. That's the that's, that's it. what happened in it, I think. I mean, like I've seen it twice and I've I can't confirm that that's exactly what happened. No, I feel but like that's, that's what I, I feel like happened. that's what that's what has happened. And now it's like a major phenomenon. Like Brad went to a midnight at the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline that like 400 people were there. These nearly like, sold out. These like rowdy showings are like all over the country. It has had truly the quickest and most like beautiful, astonishing turnaround to cult classic. Like it happened automatically. Here is what I believe about Cats. Yes. Seeing Cats in its like initial, initial theatrical run, like before it started like become, before the late night show started happening is like being, it was, is like being at Woodstock yeah well because we were the bastion that like launched it we're, into what like, it is we're we, the van like we're part of the like if you saw it in like those first couple of weeks like you're part of a vanguard like you culturally. are part of a select group of people who turned it into what it is because it's like we made it a cult classic we we're did what made it a cult classic we were there we bore witness yeah we did we did that for the, the community it's like a ma- it's like it's got to be what it was like seeing like the room in the 90s when it first came out like Tommy yeah. Wiseau was bu- like buying up all those billboards or like Rocky Horror in the 70s in New York like but those still took forever to turn around and become cult classics this true. one was like instant like it happened right away in Boston like it hasn't left theaters no and people like it is selling out it's yeah it's every wild. show it's, it's insane it's so it, it and i assume up. that's how it is across the country too i don't i think only it's ever boston think about specific, boston but i don't think it's I boston think you're specific right. i assume that it's like it's it's everywhere if like you this. don't live in boston and have seen cats do let us know yeah tweet us email us let us know yeah are we gonna get into we should talk MVPs about mvps and pour one out. out all right my who's your mvp my mvp oof. I have okay, I feel like my MVP and my poor one out are the same, and it's magical, Mister Mustafa's. Ooh, interesting. I I think like MVP because he did the most, but poor one out for the character assassination that happened. I would agree. I think for me, my MVP. So there's two. One is like within, and one is metatextual. Yes. So like within just the universe that Cats creates, I think my MVP is actually Skimbleshanks because that just, that's fair. That number His number gives was. You- the energy to get through, it's so good. It's so fun. And it's then he so positive. Sky dancers into the ether. It's like, beautiful. It's and he beautiful. like never appears again, basically. He's yeah, he's like, just gone. That's it. Or honestly, all of those 
the VFX artists who kept getting made to work like 70 hour weeks and oh, then God, fired. Those... And like, they're artists, truly. Like, they made it what it is. Like, also part of it was that Jason Derulo, like, ref- like so many of the performers were like, we're not going to wear mocap suits. And they're like, please, you must. And they're like, <laughs> we will not. Um, so these people worked so hard. And I love every single thing that they did about the movie, including the glitchy collars and the feet. It's it's beautiful. I say that I feel like that's simultaneously an MVP and pour one out too because they should not have had to work like that. I'm also like having like yeah, capitalism fucked them. I think also I have a little bit of a a pour one out for uh, one Miss Taylor Allison Swift. She went there. It was a lot for me as a Swifty to process, but like she really committed to that, and I am only I can only be happy that she's happy, right? Mm-hmm. But, oh my god. <laughs> I think my poor one out still has to be ma- the magical Mr. Mistopheles. I, I feel Original like character from the musical. Just, that was he's, awful. He's both. Like, as, as far as characters go, he's both my MVP and my poor one like, out. Honestly, really RIP what he should have been. Ugh. I'm so, I'm. A powerful gay conjurer. And Rather than just a fumbling okay, heterosexual. Boring heterosexual. I'm. I can't think about it too much without getting angry. It's it's a lot to process. It's so much. I mean, like, I think about it still, like, constantly. It, it has least, not left my mind. It really hasn't. I will still just get, like, bits of the music stuck in my head. Like, I cannot wait to someday, like, send my, like, 14-year-old children off to a midnight showing of Cats and, like, have them be like, this is our cool teen night thing, and be like, ha I was there first. Go. Like, go, go for go it. Go have fun. Like, because it, it will endure. Yeah, it Here's will endure. Thing, it's like Rocky absolutely. Horror Picture Show. It's just, it's, it's going to keep going. It's forever. It's going to keep going. I think the cool Our children, is, like, our grandchildren will watch this fucking movie. Like, like, it's got legs. It's just, there's so, there's so much there. And it gives you something new every time you watch it. It does. It absolutely does. It really, really does. I kind of want to grab Brad and see if he'll talk about what his experience like at an actual like purposeful midnight showing was. Yeah, no, go get him. I'm going to go see if I can steal him from his actual paid human labor. Hello. Hi. Welcome to, welcome back to our lovely podcast. Um, I'm just going to lean very close to Brad's face because we only have two microphones and we put Brad in front of one of them. <laughs> so, Brad. Mm-hmm. You went to a midnight showing of cats. You've actually seen this movie more than Ali or I have. Please yeah. walk us through what that made seen it midnight three times. experience was. So the uh, the theater originally had it in a a smaller. Uh, it was originally in a smaller theater at the the Coolidge Corner Theater. They uh, originally had it upstairs in about the two hundred seat movie us too, but they had to move it downstairs to the four hundred seat main house because it was selling too many tickets and uh it came just shy of a total sellout it was like over 400 people like it it was just you know like down to like 20 tickets or something like that and so it was a massive crowd of people who were very very excited to see cats how did it because i know we've talked about you going to see like Rocky Horror at midnight when they would do it at the old like AMC in Harvard Square. How did this like, what was the vibe like in comparison to that? It was comparable. I mean, Rocky Horror, I feel like at most there's been like a hundred people at like a Rocky Horror screening that I've been to. I think just because it's so old and this is like 
new and fresh and exciting and also there's no like script that's mm-hmm. written yet so there's no like rote delivery to sort of the callbacks it was all just sort of I, I feel like a lot of the people their midnight experience to date had been more of the room mm-hmm. and which is sort of if you've been if you've seen the room at midnight it's a lot of just screaming like incoherently and and shouting uh, whereas mm-hmm. Rocky Horror is very much like about like the script and like the callbacks and like specific lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was sort of like people kind of feeling their way through like, what is this going to be? Like there was one guy that was de- behind me that was a little annoying because he was definitely coming from like the room mindset, which is like, you know, insulting the movie. Yeah. And, you know, you'd be like, ah, fuck you, like the Rum Tum Tugger. And at one point I turned around, I was like, show some respect to the Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> Like, because I feel like the thing with cats, I feel like the thing that the cult needs to to get on board with is that it's more fun when you just embrace the movie and like get into it. Like if you if you start like cheering on the movie, it's more fun that way because the room it's like, yeah, you want to be antagonistic to the room because everyone in that movie is so shitty. And this you're kind of just like it's it's more fun if you're sort of ironically quote unquote ironically like getting into it yeah and like you know so like you know cheering when when certain things happen or like i i kind of tried to start the trend and it, i think people caught on which is when people started approaching McCavity when the cast after their songs it was like yeah. don't do it don't do it like yeah. it's more fun to be like don't don't go near them yeah um, one trend that I that I think I started was um, after uh, Ian McKellen, Gus the Theater Cat's song. Uh, you know, it's a very it's a very much like oh he he should be the the Jellicle choice. So I started yeah. chanting "Let him die, let him die." And then when at the end when Grizabella th- sings "Memory," um, I don't know who started this, but someone started uh, pulling their phone out like a concert with the flashlights on. Yes. Everyone was standing up, waving it. And then after her song, we all started chanting like the entire theater, "Let her die, let her die, let her die," until uh, old Dute announces that it's <laughs> uh, she's the Jellicle choice, and we all went wild cheering. Then at the end, when she's in the balloon, we were all waving goodbye. I love that. That's such a beautiful, I'm like so excited to go to my third viewing of Cats, which I intend to be like a little bit in between the two uh, bookends of my sobriety at the other yeah. two viewings, which was Stone Cold Sober and Too High to Function. I'm like, I would like to be pleasantly high for the next time I see it. Um, one thing I, I did was um, I, I suggest, I feel like a fun prop could be to have tissues to wave uh, whenever oh. you see the snot on Jennifer Hudson's lip. That that's yeah, smart. I think that that's a fun uh, potential thing. I think you should get some like Bailey's nips of like some Irish cream to drink during the milk uh, oh, scene. Also smart. Yeah, that could be a good one. Um, oh, one thing that people did was, um, you know, when at the beginning, at the end, when they're at the statue and they all raised their hands, like and it everyone kind of looks like Triumph of the Will. Yeah, yes. but everyone raised their hand with it, like yeah, like kind of hold like hold up hold up your hand like go with the movie like i feel like there's a lot of potential callback things to just sort of like come up with but like it's sort of the fun thing is that this is still being written right yeah. now like it's all being improvised we're the vanguard we're, yeah, yeah we're on the edge well because this is the thing that i'm thinking about because the thing you said about the baileys and like getting the irish cream i specifically am, am envisioning everyone in a movie theater taking a shot when jason derulo screams milk yeah yeah, yeah. don't don't throw milk in the air because that's gonna no, smell no. really bad if, but like everyone yeah. drinks like at that milk. moment yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah, drink, I love that. Take a get a nip of some Irish cream, and uh, and take that at, at milk. Milk. Trying <laughs> to think, there's a, there's a good lot of things. I mean, I gotta say, uh, this happened in um, at the Somerville too, but also just the absolutely the moment I think where like the decibel levels were the highest and like people freaking out is after Skimble Shanks when he like spirals <laughs> yeah, into yeah, the yeah. air and explodes. <laughs> that was absolutely just, I think the loudest of everyone collectively losing their minds. Yeah. I mean like that is such a visionary shot of filmmaking. Well, I think <laughs> also it's- it starts normal, right? You just get like, Oh, it's a spinning jump. It's like when you watch yeah. somebody it take off. When yes. Going, it keeps going. And then it just, keeps going you're like oh this is strange and then it keeps going and it turns a corner into just true absurdity and then he dies yeah um and i think it helps that it comes after like one of the real showstoppers like mm-hmm. the skimble shank song is, is great it's, it's so very good. fun um oh um during mr mistopheles um sort of like the trend would be like cheer him on as he's like about to to try and bring old dude back but then when he fails yell at him be like ah <laughs> i can't fuck. believe you did that <laughs> yeah. But also you got to sing along. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Some of the songs are so catchy. They Some really, of they them are, are. Honestly, a lot of them are. And I think that's part of why the musical was so successful is because like, I hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think he's a frog faced sociopath, <laughs> but. but he writes catchy music. And Taylor Swift did good on Beautiful she Ghosts. She did good. She did good. She's a talented artist. She's an, in- she's an incredibly talented artist. And she used that power for uh, chaotic neutral. Forget this is the ultimate like chaotic <laughs> neutral movie. Where do you, as like a film and movie person, and also someone who's I feel more than I am like steeped in midnight movie culture, where do you see this going long term? Um, I guess my concern is that it's just going to be a fad. Like mm. I hope it has legs to last. Like that. That's sort of my thing. Is that honestly watching it three times now. It's sort of just, it's so bizarre and completely misguided. It's one of those things that is, it only works because it was made without like a hint of irony. Yeah. It's why like you can't do this for like Sharknado or something like that, which is just the whole thing is wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like it's, again, it's something that was made without a, a, a hint of irony and it's just so uniquely misguided that yeah. it, it circles around. But again, like the, the music is catchy. Like the yeah. music is catchy and it's just bizarre and it it you know there's times where it drags but it's mostly pretty well paced and i just like i don't know if this is something that people are gonna like kind of just taper off and you know we all gonna move past the cats phenomenon i will never forget (laughs) but but i i hope that it has like the legs to like keep selling out shows and to just keep going and become sort of like a new like midnight cult canon movie the way yeah. that like you know the room or troll 2 or or rocky horror have mm-hmm. my like earnest closing desire is that if you have the opportunity to go see this at midnight please pay money and go go like, and like go to your like local rowdy go to showing your local like independent cinema and go see cats it's so much fun. It's unironically great. It's like genuinely like despite being one of the like more fucking bizarre movies I've ever seen, it's also some of the most fun I've ever had at a showing was like that yeah. high out of my mind rowdy showing. Also like in terms of like earnestly made good risky filmmaking, like that's I, like, the thing. Oh, so so here's something interesting. Yeah. Is um 
I'm pretty sure that the version I saw there was the the fixed version. Oh, I've only ever seen because human hands. and and no, but there are human hands. But I think I don't know if the hands are deliberate or not. But I do think that um, I I didn't notice as much like sort of like artifacting or like pixelation or some of the other glitches that uh, I noticed like the other time. So I think this was the fixed version, mm-hmm. which the neutered version, the neutered version, <laughs> which absolutely the the un the uncorrected the intact version is absolutely superior because again it just adds to this like surrealism of it all like you know stuff like the collars still don't have weight and they're definitely like the scale of the cats is constantly shifting still but um i it's it's more fun with the little glitch elements and the idea of tom hooper staying up for 36 hours straight trying to fix it on his own right before the premiere also kind of gets me you should say you know it's like it's not fair to make fun of the VFX artists for this. They no. they were just oh, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, and like at the Oscars. Did you talk about that? Oh, we did not talk about that at the Oscars. Yeah, where it's like they were like you know kind of mocking the VFX artists who uh you know were kind of forced to work eighty hour days for to, for Tom Hooper's deranged vision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sort of like how with the Sonic thing like all the vfx artists that working on sonic the hedgehog knew that the original design was like a monstrosity but there was like it <laughs> they was couldn't what do the, they couldn't do it. anything about it. they weren't allowed to be like they were like we know what sonic is supposed to look like we're artists like we know what and we could do it it's just that the executives are the ones being like no no make it look like this and we're yeah. like all right if you say and yeah. then they are the ones that had to work 80 hour weeks to try to fix this on a time crunch yeah and then got fired for it yeah so yeah. same thing with cats uh, shout out to the VFX artists. They did their best. They're, They're honestly heroes. They're the yeah. MVP. They're actually the true MVP and pour one out. Yeah. Like, yeah. actually, it's them. They're amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's Tom Hooper's deranged vision of what the cats should look like that they are just turning. They're just making manifest. They They're, didn't have a it say. It couldn't have been done without them. No, it really. They are. Every single VFX person who worked on cats is a hero. National heroes. Braver than any Marine. Yeah. Braver than anyone I've ever met. Like artists are the only people I respect. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Honestly. Oh my God. What a powerful film. Get Martin Scorsese to archive and preserve the original Judy Dench (laughs) hand sketch of cats. I want to archive and preserve it It in my own home. I will buy a Blu-ray of the human of the hands, hands cut. Oh, just if it's the human hands. I will not pay money for the real version. I don't like, want the neutered must, version. Must have human hands. Because otherwise, what's the point? There is none. But go see this movie. If you can, in cinemas at midnight. It'll it, be fun. It, take a couple friends. Do Smoke little, a little. Do a little weed. As a treat. <laughs> a you little weed. I don't know how many screenings there are. So I think the Summerville is still doing them every weekend. And then the Coolidge has one coming up. I did one last month. I think has one in March. It has one in March. They haven't scheduled past March yet. So I don't know if they're going to. I mean, I think it comes down to possibly how well this second screening does. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I think of this one, like at least does solid numbers as well. They'll keep it going. Also, like we only care about Boston, but in your city, like. I'm Go sure they're out there. I think there. Al- Alamo Draft Houses have been doing them. Oh, yeah. Um, Go yeah. to them. Yeah, I think this is our um, let's talk about other pop let's culture things moment. Thank um, you, Brad. Thank you, Brad. Uh, yeah. Thank you, so um, the other movie you should all go see is Birds, Birds of, of Prey, Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie did that for us. She did that for us. She did that for the WLW community. Incredible. 
it is like hands down it uh revived my passion in superhero movies it like redeemed the entire comic book movie genre for me because i was good now i was super fucking burned out on that shit after like marvel which is exhausting Uh, with like it's the same it sounds the same they're afraid to do anything there's like there's like a couple movies that i'm like okay that can stay it's like black panther that was good i would say thor ragnarok that was good i liked winter soldier winter soldier but that's like earlier than one early yeah like late tier marvel that's like phase whatever it is i don't care about the phases like they take themselves way too seriously yes and dc's like we're gonna make jason momoa wet and he's gonna punch a submarine and and we're gonna remix africa with pitbull and you're like yes and that's uh, kind of that's kind of the direction they took it in with like harley quinn except it was like so much like like aquaman was fun mm-hmm. but harley quinn was fun and also actually good yeah where i was like it's like i read a whole think piece about how it's like a really like director driven film where mm-hmm. like kathy yan was given like a ton of free reign over what she oh, wanted yeah. to do and she executed her vision perfectly and margot robbie who as we know stars in it but also executive produced it was like also did so much and like they made this movie so wonderful and fun and like lively and it's like genuinely it's so entertaining the fight choreography is impeccable it is impeccable fight choreo and it is like ever also like women hot women are hot women every woman in that movie women Women. (laughs) like it's genius i truly like it i was ready to like never watch another comic book movie again and i came into this one being like all right like it looks kind of fun but like i don't know what to expect because it's like yet another comic book movie and i was like it's perfect i will see this 10 times in theaters i will anybody if anybody wants to go see it i will go see it with them i will go see it with them and it like it pisses me off that people like have been writing about it as a flop because also it's not one and i'm like oh you it's just want to like, watch it it's fail, back but- in its first weekend fuck off yeah, and um, it's, it's now, like, made, like, $100 million or something. Like, it's... One thing I do yeah. want to... Like, I was thinking about when I was going to bed last night after seeing the movie and, like, again this morning when I woke up at, like, 11 p.m. because I'm on vacation, mm-hmm. is that it is very much a movie for and about and by women, both, like, by BY and by as in bisexual women. Yeah. And then also about overcoming, like, the violence of men because there's that i'm not gonna like i don't want to spoil the movie like go in like i'm not gonna spoil the movie but there's like one or two scenes where it's like oh the antagonist is like just a truly like vile violent man yeah and and they have ewan mcgregor playing him which i think is interesting because it gets into the whole thing with another like another of my most Mm -hmm. anticipated movies that hasn't come out yet but promising young woman Mm. which is like by the woman who did season two of killing eve she has both like written and directed this film and something she talked about, and the movie's not out yet, obviously, but mm-hmm. one of the things she talked about is, like, I cast all of these, like, quote-unquote, like, friendly, nice guys that everyone kind of loves as these sort of shitty dudes who are taking this woman home from clubs when she's too drunk to consent. Like, people like Bo Burnham and, mm-hmm. like, all of these very beloved sort of comedy dudes because it's, like, these, like, nice guys That's can also be gross. It. And I think they did a similar thing in this movie because Ewan McGregor is so, like... Charming. He was in Moulin Rouge. He was in Moulin it's Rouge. He's Obi-Wan Kenobi. He was Obi-Wan. Like, everyone kind of loves him. And they did a similar thing where they were like, actually, he's going to be gross now, too, even it, though he's, like, a, a likable guy with a nice face. There you are know? also, like, some scenes where he's, like... Like, there's, a, like, one of the opening scenes where it's like, oh, he's doing some gross, violent things, but it's, like, regular superhero, like, movie gross, violent, like, criminal minds shit. 
and it's like he's really fun he's really funny he's wearing great outfits in this and then there's one scene in particular where it just like it we were in a, a pretty rowdy showing and it was dead quieter in a movie theater because we were all terrified of what was gonna happen it felt like and not to give marvel credit for anything but like season one of jessica jones like david tennant's character mm. um where they had like there were moments where it was just like he was a super villain and then there were moments where it was like oh he is a despicable misogynist who's like specifically targeting women and abusing women and also, like that was kind of the thing they turned into with this movie like cutting people's faces off is like kind of like cartoonishly comic, evil comic but like the things like the thing he does in this one scene it's like not as graphic but it's also very very real and has happened to people and that's what i think made it and like everyone sort of was yeah yeah like the why are you laughing at me and then just like the switch yeah which like makes the end of the movie so satisfying like it it's really a movie about like like, overcoming patriarchy and and women's support uh and it's just like four strong moms and they're like dirtbag seventh graders (laughs) was kind of because like i feel like the other thing about marvel is i feel like i got found family trope baited by all of those Mm -hmm. movies where i kept expecting them to be like we're found family and then they all hated each other for the whole franchise i was like what's where's the payoff but with these they like fully leaned into like okay it's four moms and they're dirtbag seventh grader and they like did not they like followed through on the found family trope and i was very thrilled about that and as opposed to like the faux like feminism empowerment moment where it's like oh we gave you captain marvel and i'm like thank you for giving me buff brie larson thank you genuinely for that but then also like that scene in like infinity war whatever where they had like the last one it's like all the women are like all seven women who've ever spoken to these movies being like we're gonna get the thing to the other part of the capture the flag field and you're supposed to be like wow feminism and it's like it's like okay Good Why? Try, they, oh, all right. It's like watching The Irishman when, um, yeah, when she finally talks after three hours, and you're just like, okay. I could do a whole separate podcast about why I hate The Irishman so much, mm-hmm. but I won't. It's Maybe I will. Time. That's another thing. I love cats, and I love birds of prey for like different but also slightly similar reasons. Because I think what the common thread is between both of these was. They swung for the fucking bleachers and they in yeah. Harley Quinn, they like, they made like a fucking flawless superhero movie. Yeah. In Cats, they made the weirdest thing I've ever seen and I will love it forever because it is so fucking bizarre and incomprehensible. They both have like permanent homes inside my brain. Yes. And they both they both took risks that I think a lot of other movies are afraid to do. Yeah. And that's kind of the common thread between both of them I think is they were both like very very risky conceits and very risky in terms of execution and like went out and did it anyway yeah and that's what I like respect and fear and love exactly about both cats and birds of prey that's like what I as an artist hope to do in my life is to like take the risk and Mm -hmm. do the thing that I think no one else will be interested in but like fucking do it anyway and hopefully have this kind of payoff regardless of whether it's a cats or a birds of prey like you won't have this reaction to it and like i as like i'm not like a creative but like as a person who consumes a lot of things that other people create like that's what i want to be like a part of and see and spend my money and investment and time in is like something that doesn't feel like it was like focus group to death and like has like not like an ai created like like we put it all in a thing and it's like okay like what's gonna sell toy or like whatever or like we're afraid to like piss people off yeah give me more like margot robbie hitting people with a bat high on coke the outfits the outfits 
the outfits in Birds of Prey. I feel like we should do a, we should get Kayla and do a separate Birds of Prey episode, like bonus ode. We could we could do, do like that. a crossover. A bonus ode. Bonus so, mini set bonus. You know us I, talking about how we want to bone the women from Birds of Prey. What? <laughs> what? No, we would never. I just feel like watching it with my like with my boyfriend who's a straight dude, just being like, I know you enjoyed it, but I feel like I think I think you and Kayla and I were catered to on a different level. Yeah. And I, like even then, like the rest of the theater too, because there's that moment that I'm not going to spoil at the end, but like the three of us screamed and no one else did, and I noticed that it was like no one else is having the same. Like everyone, I think enjoyed it, but yeah. I don't think anyone else had the same visceral reaction. Here's again because of my conspiracy fact: this was made for not just like women at large, like specifically, it is about the yeah. queer female gaze. It's this is the queer, yeah, it's queer female gaze the movie. Thank you. It's a perfect film. I love it. Thank you, Margot Robbie. Thank, Thank you, Kathy you. Yan. You did this for Everyone us. involved. You did this for our community, and I could not be more we thankful as a bi woman. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Seen, heard, catered to, listened. All of the above. Incredible. I think we've talked about our pop culture things, things that we enjoy. Yeah. We've talked about cats. We did our MVPs, our synopsis, our poor one out. All of the above. It has been great to reconnect. And it's been so good to I, sit in front of a microphone and yell about cats with you again. Like I'm, I miss you guys. Um, whoever listens, I've Isadore, missed talking to you about that. Please, Isadore, you, if you're there, and we think, uh, yeah, going forward, we're gonna try and do one a one month. One a month. So I we'll, don't think we're gonna just for the sake of like my own brain space. I, I don't think we should set a specific date each month. I think, you yeah, know, fast so and loose. We'll talk to you again in March, and and we'll update you guys via our Twitter. Yeah. when things are looking to come out like probably somewhere in the second or third week of every month yeah makes sense but toward, like towards the end of the month towards middle, the, to, middle to end of month middle end of month but like we're not, not deadline people i i have enough deadlines at work i don't need them outside of work i've just i can't be tied down <laughs> man i just have a shitty work ethic and no sense of time that's fair this has been great yeah thank you good to be back we'll talk to you in march see you guys next month Bye. Bye. Skibble shanks. <laughs> <laughs>